Well, hey there, welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Bob Sibahar, and my awesome co-host, Dina Griffin. We are both registered dietitians who are board-certified specialists in sports dietetics with a combined experience of over 40 years. We are here to translate nutrition and sport research to real life and give you some awesome interviews with a variety of experts so you can enhance your knowledge to optimize your health, fitness, and athletic performance. On today's episode, episode 99, Dina and I sit down and have an Ask Us Anything episode, and specifically, we're answering some questions from you awesome listeners, and today's topics, today's questions center around consuming sugar, so we have a great sugar talk, and we also chat a little bit about reflux and why reflux can actually be happening during exercise. So today is a fantastic show. We so appreciate you staying here and listening. Before we do get to the show, just want to remind you that I do have a new course. It is a self-study course that is fantastic for endurance athletes who experience any type of GI distress. In fact, it is named Eliminating GI Distress in Endurance Athletes. You can check this out over at my website, energyperformance.com. That's E-N-R-G performance.com and click on the courses and masterclasses link. And now on to the show. Bob, it's another great opportunity to ask us questions and have us answer questions. But I wanted to start this Ask Us Anything episode by asking you a question to just kick this off here. Did you have any beverage this morning? And if so, please describe. Wow, you kind of caught me off guard, Dee. I've actually had a couple beverages this morning. <laughs> and it is 9.15 Mountain Time yeah, as we are chatting. Yeah, do it's tell. relatively early. And, uh, you know, today was like a normal wake up day. Sometimes I wake up like super early just because I can't sleep for some reason, but today was like a normal wake up day. So context like six 30 ish. Okay. And so I've, I've consumed about, I'd say about eight ounces of just plain water. I've also had two cups of coffee, um, black coffee. And then I've also wow. had a little bit, maybe I'm looking right, maybe about four, maybe six ounces of electrolyte beverage, my favorite electrolyte beverage. Uh, you can hydrate. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty hydrated and wow. ready to go. And you know, I've used the bathroom a few times and I'm I'm ready. Jeez, Louise, that's pretty awesome. And it's funny, I think people often forget about hydration in the morning and we just yeah. think of food or something. So that was part of my curiosity. Yeah. So thank well, you. Me, I'm going to ask you a question here in a second, but it's, you just got me sparked on something. So every, I get this question a lot and this isn't even part of our AUAs today, but people say, oh, you know, if I start my morning with coffee. So this morning was coffee for me and I'll rotate through matcha, through yerba mate, just through just normal, like, you know, tea, herbal tea. But today was coffee. And I always get the question, well, if I drink coffee in the morning, should I drink more water? Well, I don't, I think part of that question shouldn't even be there. You should just drink more water in the morning, right? So mm -hmm. I would say you have to try to make up because there is, if now let's say, come back, if your coffee is caffeinated, and I know that sounds weird, but I know some of you out there are like me and you'll just drink decaf coffee for the health benefits sometimes, wink, wink. I know there's like you know, <laughs> one person out there that actually does it with me. Um, but anyway, I don't want you to say, oh, I drink coffee, therefore I need to drink water. I think you should say, 
I want to drink water or I should drink water to start my day because I'm so dehydrated coming off of sleep that whether coffee or yerba mate or matcha is in the mix, you should still drink water, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think getting in the habit of making that the first thing. I I think so. You know, and I think, you know, I have... Okay, we're just kind of unpacking this a little bit. Like I have to be careful personally with how much water I drink first thing in the morning because it dilutes my electrolytes. And it's going to sound funny, but I I just feel weird if I drink too much water. And it is because for me, it's the dilution of electrolytes. So I can't go more than like eight ounces, more than like a cup of water without other beverages because it just kind of, it doesn't make me feel that great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also- for the early morning workouts, I notice if I do too much water, similar, I think it's just saying in a different way, like stomach slosh yeah. happens when I'm going to do go do a run or something sloshable, you know, it's uh, yeah. a little too sloshy with too much it water. It is too sloshy. Yeah. That's, that's, that could be word of the day. Sloshable. Oh. <laughs> hey, so D, we haven't caught up on this lately since you asked about my beverages. What, because I know you were kind of going a little bit away from coffee yeah. you know, in the past few months. What are you yeah. doing now for morning beverages? I know. I went a little back to coffee just because yeah. I had been doing more morning workouts. And that, to be totally honest and maybe semi-vulnerable, yeah. the coffee coffee helps move bowels a little more promptly than yeah. the matcha. And, you know, so sometimes we have to work with uh, body obligations. <laughs> That's true. Well, and and it kind of does depend on how well your obligations are taken care of in the uh morning, right? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'm still a participant of my matcha lattes and so on, but I brought in morning coffee a little more regularly here with the recent summer months. So you basically didn't so. want to be caught pooping in the woods on your early okay. morning. Okay. I mean, that is the right? bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> but you do like coffee too. So that helps. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Well, thank you for, you know, honoring that question, Bob, as we Absolutely. move on to some awesome questions we wanted to bring in from a few of the listeners. Thank you so much for everyone submitting questions. Uh, Before we get to those, we got this really cool comment um, from Jennifer. Uh, So we just wanted to throw this in. And so she had written that she wanted to mention she had listened to the conversation with Linda Quirk. We can give you that episode number here in just a second. But she had listened. Episode 89. Oh, thank you. And we had also talked about Linda in a previous episode when she did the Route 66 Ultra Run Race. Um, Anyhow, Jennifer was so inspired by that conversation and being a runner who is 66 years young, wondered, she was wondering about setting new goals and Linda provided her the inspiration to set these new goals for 2024 and beyond. So she says, thank you for sharing. And P.S. What was the name of the appliance that Linda raved about in the recent podcast? Thank you again for wonderful conversations. So, Bob, do you remember Linda raving about the appliance? I do, because we got to see it in action when we visited her before Badwater. And it is, the appliance is Nutra Milk. Okay. And it is an amazing, it's like this super duper 
high powered food processor, but not like your normal Cuisinart food processor, uh, but you can make amazing nut milk. I mean, she showed us her almond milk. I think she made like a cashew blend also. Yeah. You can make nut butter in it. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Like from what I saw, it was, it was, it's the real deal. And, and, you know, what an easy way. Okay. Biasly. Um, I mean, if you drink any type of nut milk, this is probably the thing to do, right? Because instead of going yeah. to the grocery store and you get all the the additives and gums and carrageens in there. I mean, it, it might be to your benefit to, you know, make your own nut milk and it doesn't take that long. Like literally, I mean, she was telling us, you just put a couple, couple cups of nuts in there and you know what, maybe five, 10 minutes later, you have nut milk. It tasted so good. And I do remember now, Bob, seeing the appliance and it, um, it is sizable, I will say, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that might be a reason to to build extra shelf space somewhere, but yes. <laughs> um, it definitely seemed well worth the investment. And then of course we have the benefit of saving some packaging and other issues there, but yeah, check that out, Jennifer. And thank you so much for your email and glad that Linda could provide some inspiration. She's just awesome. I knew that would happen. And I just so appreciate not only Linda, but also our listeners saying that because Really, I mean, Linda is just a walking inspiration. She really is yes. for on, on many levels, not just not just running and ultra, but just an inspiration for you know life in general and just mm-hmm. everything. So shout out to to both these ladies. All right. The next question, Bob, is from Ken. He writes that he is a 64-year-old trail runner. And he recently listened to the podcast we did on sugar, which I believe was episode number 83. He says, I guess what I didn't understand is why added sugars are bad if they are part of the total carbs you require. When I asked Tailwind about the sugar in their endurance fuel, they sent me a long article about sugar being the best fuel during my runs. And hey, it works for Courtney. So just a little confused and he was looking for some clarification. So do you want to start us off there, Bob? Wow. So many places to start on this one, D. I mean, first off, Ken, thank you for submitting this. And uh, I love this question because there there are a couple things to unpack. So we're going to take a few minutes and this is definitely not an easy answer because there's actually a couple things going on in your question that I would like to chat about. The first one, uh, it works for Courtney. Uh, props to Courtney, by the way. She's freaking amazing. And oh, she yeah. just, she, I mean, what she did at UTMB and now she's got the three, I mean, just amazing. But here's the thing too. Mm-hmm. We know that each person, each athlete does respond very differently to sugars, to protein, to fat, uh, different paces, different intensities, different altitudes. Now, Remember, I guess the first thing I'm going to say before we get really into sugar D is that more elite athletes do process and metabolize carbohydrates more efficiently than us mere age group recreational runners. So that's one thing to say is that these elites, uh, and it doesn't matter what sport when it comes to endurance, they just are so much better at at using their carbohydrates, right? So, and yeah. in, in absorbing and metabolizing. So I did want to throw that out um, for sure. And, and she is an amazing athlete and not to discount any of that, but she's different, right? She's, she's a lot different than we are. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the second thing, so now let's get into the sugar. So Ken, when I'm reading your question, you said, you know, I guess what I didn't understand is why added sugars are bad 
when they are part of the total carbs you require. Okay, let me stop there. So added sugars, which we which we discussed on episode 83, added sugars are the non-sugars that are coming from the food, right? So these are added from manufacturers for whatever reason, right? So I would say, number one, that's that's number one to get it out of the way. Number two is you use the word require. We don't require any added sugars in our body. You could argue if we require carbohydrates right now, again, for exercise of what we're doing, ultra endurance, endurance, yeah, we need carbohydrates, but I'm going to argue, D, we don't need added sugars. We need sugars, which are already in foods, right? Now I know I'm... I know I'm you are just lighting here. up all those dietitians out there am, and all the coaches. I? They're they're lighting up. They're going to be like, I'm going to go give them a review and I'm going to tell them about it right now, right? But no, five star reviews are appreciated. Let, let's yeah, let's mm-hmm. think about like the health and the performance pros cons of added sugars. Now, people, I'm just talking about added sugars, not the normal sugar you're going to get in fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And those are carbohydrates. Those are sugar. That's what's in the food, right? So I'm talking about the added sugars that are provided or um, put in there by a manufacturer. So let me start with health because we can't perform if we're not healthy. Listen, added sugars, you should not consume a lot of added sugars at all. In fact, on that episode 83, I believe I actually specified what the, who was it? Was the American Heart Association, I think I referenced uh, in terms of how many added, like grams of added sugars males and females should Mm -hmm. have. So we do not need added sugars. Added sugars just completely mess up some of these health uh, things, you know, going on with us in terms of cellular oxidation, inflammation. Now, here's the thing too, Ken, I mean, we're not far behind you in age. As we age, added sugar is even more horrible because it is now affecting the aging process of biology and cellular senescence. And we've got all these different things coming at us as we age. Worst thing you can do is have too many added sugars. Now, okay. Performance-wise, let me just roll into this one, D. I'm I'm kind of stealing it right now, and and you go. Just you give go. me like sixty more seconds here. <laughs> From a performance perspective, do we need added sugars? I think it depends. I think I really do. Right? Uh, we don't necessarily need them because we can get sugars elsewhere, i.e., carbohydrates elsewhere. But some athletes they do really well with added sugars, and some don't. The argument I've always always received is, well, if I'm exercising, it doesn't matter if I have a lot of added sugars because I'm just burning them off. Well, that could be true depending on your, your degree of metabolic efficiency, meaning how many carbohydrates or fat you are burning. And then two, what intensity you're doing? Because I've heard this quite a bit, D, right? For ultra runners, they're like, oh no, I have all this added sugars, but I'm, you know, my exercise intensity is super low, which you should be burning more fat. So now you're putting all these added sugars in your body at a lower intensity where you're burning more fat. So where do you think these added sugars are going? You're not using them, right? You're storing them. So now you can argue, well, if I'm having added sugars and I'm storing more of them because my intensity is lower during my training runs or whatever, those added sugars are wreaking havoc on our cells. So that's my one take on performance. Now, the other side of it is if you're doing some higher intensity stuff, some hill repeats, like whatever it is, yeah, you're going to use sugar, right? So should you use added sugars? Well, 
I think that's your choice, right? I, what I would say is if you're going to use a product with added sugars, don't do it every single day. And I don't think you should anyway, because your training isn't going to lend to that, right? So there are going to be days where maybe you do have higher intensity training. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I do need some added sugars to fuel me. And there are some days where you're going to be on the trail for five hours and your intensity is so low, like go eat some food, like forget added sugars, just go eat some food, right? Okay, Dan, I'm going to just step off on my platform really quick and <laughs> finally allow you to add some two cents because I got a little heated there. Oh, good, Bob. Those were those were valuable two cents for sure. I think I would touch on a couple things, just reiterating a few things you mentioned too, but one when Ken mentioned um, confused about why added sugars are bad. I just wanted to pull on that word because there's no like we don't have bad and good. It's there's no morality around foods. We just need to be careful. I feel like language makes such a big impact on diet culture and all this stuff. So I wanted to pick on that, but not saying Ken, you're to blame for it. It's just the way that our culture has evolved and things when we're saying good and bad. But, totally. And it continues yeah. to be true, doesn't it, D? Where yeah. we're kind of shaming food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No. And I agree, Bob. I mean, Ken, you're a, a young 64, but definitely just thinking of added sugars coming in from any which way, any which amount, it does add up acutely and chronically. And so as we age, as Bob was saying, the oxidative, um, cellular damage, inflammation. I mean, these are legitimate things shown in research. And so just because we are athletic, we can't negate or reverse those consequences. So I think putting all of this in perspective is important. And I love what you said, Bob, about that keyword um, requirements. And so that gets fuzzy. Like what are our requirements for carbohydrates to fuel performance, fuel our daily living. The added sugar piece is definitely not in the daily living, but that doesn't mean we can't include added sugars. It is a choice. I think the other thing here is, again, I'm, I'm just like backing you up, Bob, just because I feel strongly about this, the intensity and duration that we're running for us ultra people unless we are Courtney DeWalter, we're not performing at that level. So the you know other 99% of us out here, and we've shown this in our metabolic efficiency testing, right, Bob, that uh, the kind of fuel you're burning, the proportion and so on really shines light on how much carb we require. And then we get to pick what that carbohydrate source looks like. But it is surprising to a lot of ultra runners, you know, the amount of carbohydrate that we're actually burning, it's not oftentimes as much as you think. And so whatever the label is for the sports nutrition product, telling you to fuel with X grams per hour, a lot of us may need more. A lot of us actually need a little bit less to still perform well and feel good, still recover well. And so this is controversial listeners, meaning not all of the sport nutritionists out there abide by what we're saying. I'm, I'm getting ready to set me I up. I know. Me know. And when so, cause I've got, I've got the I, next chapter here. You keep going. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I'm just recognizing, you know, the consensus 
is still confusing for people, but there there is no consensus truly just because we're learning so much more as we go through these few decades of sport nutrition research, sport nutrition science, uh, the original guidelines have some flaws, I'd say, or there's some gaps there. So I think I'll pause because I'm getting a little heated and need to put on some deodorant. <laughs> you go now, Bob. Pressure. I took my <laughs> blood pressure and my systolic blood pressure went up about 30 mmHg. Ooh. So <clears throat> I'm ready. You you actually, you know, I was listening to you, I'm like, oh yes, yes. And then you started on something and that's when my blood pressure went up. I'm oh, like, oh my no. gosh, I have I have to add this. I have All to right. add this because you opened the door, right? I did. So, and, and this is just to help, you know, Ken and, and actually all of our listeners just understand this a little bit more. And, and what Dina was saying, like, not everyone abides by this. And there is either because of lack of knowledge, right? Which we all have. I mean, we're all continuing to learn. And obviously we just, we, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, right? Obviously. Um, but some of us are, are kind of biased too. Like if I, you know, if I own a sports drink company that puts out, simple sugar products. Like obviously I'm biased, right? Of course. But I just want to mention this really quick, D, because you know what you're saying with metabolic efficiency testing, uh, for listeners who don't know what that is, that's just a really easy submaximal test that you can have done to kind of ha- kind of peek inside your body to ascertain how efficient is your body at using carbohydrate and fat and storing carbohydrate and fat. And this is what Dina was talking about. Some of us are super high carbohydrate burners, right? Which means we burn more carbs that we have stored in our muscles, which means we're really good at storing fat. And normally that's not what we want to usually have um, as the equation, as especially as we get older. So, but the only way you know is if you have this tested. But where I was going with this, D, is a lot of our, our colleagues out there, and especially the younger ones coming up, because they, they don't teach us in school, they don't know about the, the you know, the substrate oxidation, the efficiencies, inefficiencies of fat burning, carbohydrate burning. And here's the thing: like if you don't know then how are you supposed to feed yourself, right? And I'm not saying everybody needs a metabolic efficiency test. Well, I guess subconsciously I'm saying that because you really get to know about yourself. But once you have that done, perhaps like Ken, if you would have that done, maybe you actually see from that test, wow, you know what? Maybe I burn more fat than I thought I did. And then maybe I don't need a lot of added sugars during exercise. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we've seen we've seen all different scenarios during our mm-hmm. testing, right? Yeah. 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 For and sure. so the other thing I'm just going to throw this out there is, you know, listeners, you, you listen to our podcast and we so appreciate you because you want information and, you know, we try to give you a lot of different topics, but, you know, I want to also throw out to our colleagues, our sport dietitian colleagues, like this metabolic efficiency training concept is 18 years old this year. Like, let me just say that one more time, 18 years old, right? It's not new. And in fact, you know, Dina, we've got testing data from research, not just our our labs, right? But from research proving this. So what I'll say out there is if the companies out there, you know, that make just simple sugar products, again, time and a place, I totally believe that sometimes we do need these products. Absolutely time and place. Um, But some of them just either are not educating themselves or they're not looking at that data uh, for whatever reason right now. Now there are some really great sport nutrition companies out there who do their research and base their product development on research. And there are some that just kind of throw the spaghetti against the wall. So mm-hmm. I think we need to be careful with the messaging is what I was trying to back you up also is 
the messaging that we're hearing is we need to be careful where it's coming from. Perfect, Bob. All right. Ooh, I think so, I think we'll put a little bow on that one for now. Yeah. Well, well, and Ken, and hopefully that helps. But but Ken, if you do have some follow-ups, you know, to that, just just email us. Like we yeah. love talking about this, obviously, especially when it comes to sugar, because there's just so much to it, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, okay, Bob. I'm gonna breathe and then uh let's let's move on to this question from Melissa. I love this question. Yep. So Melissa, uh, thank you for respond or for for emailing us this question. So I love this because it has to do with digestive health, right? So here's the email from Melissa. I'm a marathon runner, 47 years young. I was introduced to you by way of the recent You Can podcast. I used to have that gut of steel. I wish I was just any time in my life I had a gut of steel. I really do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she says, now I deal with GI issues on a more consistent basis on a run. I use gels and have been using noon for hydration along with water, but I'm trying a new approach, hence the UCAN. I've been getting reflux on some of my runs, which totally throws me off. Yesterday, one such occurrence and was also my first time using UCAN, though now I though I know that wasn't the case. Can you speak on what might cause this reflux? Or let's just, I mean, let's let's pick GI distress, but specifically Melissa was targeting reflux and maybe some ways we can help it. So mm. whew, there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? Yeah, we'll be as, definitely. We'll be as brief as possible. Do you I, want to start this? Or you want me to start this? I can start with a few things. I, yeah, unfortunately, that reflux feeling definitely can throw you off. I mean, because sometimes it also feels like, ooh, is, is this going to, I mean, not only the burning kind of feel, but just sometimes people feel like the burpee or, you know, just concern. Yeah. Like, anyways, the causes or underlying that, I mean, there there could be a number of things going on, Melissa, but um. You know, I would I would think of what are you consuming before the run? If there's anything else coming in that we're not thinking of, um, I mean, even some of the supplements that we might take, like a multivitamin, or if we're doing coffee, or geez, just thinking of from the time you wake up until you start your run, what else are you putting in the body? Because um, it just can be surprising how, and even if it whatever, there were no problems before. The gut microbiome is constantly changing. And so our tolerance can change for whatever reasons. So just thinking about that, are there any other supplements, vitamins, you know, is your coffee stronger or, or something like that? What else are you consuming? And yeah, that can be pro or, or con. And I think even just thinking of changes as we age. So I just touched on changes with the gut microbiome that can happen, not only just being human, but aging, but as females too, in our, in our forties and, and older, we have some changes going on as a result of hormonal flux. So this is just to speak to the, you know, given respect for our my gut microbiome. There could be some things going on there. So it's not really, you know, maybe the sport nutrition product you're using, but but some underlying issues related to the gut. What else are you thinking of, Bob? Well, those are, I mean, you you took a lot of them that I wanted to cover. And I think, I think the biggest one. So when I work with athletes, um, and by the way, as an aside, you know, this is why I actually developed the metabolic efficiency training concept because of GI distress. 
And I just throw that out there because you can you can alter your digestive response to foods and everything. And, and even, you know, as we're as we age, uh, unfortunately, there are some biological, you know, challenges that come from a digestive standpoint. And I just want to point that out because like you were saying, D, our daily nutrition really sets up our digestive health and how we're processing calories and metabolizing calories. But as we age, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of help in that category. It, it kind of gets a little worse at times. So, and I only say that because I hear a lot of athletes say, well, it never used to be like this. Well, mm -hmm. yes. And you know, you were, you, you, you are at a new age, you're a new decade, like whatever it is. Right. And I, I found that personally with myself as I have to be more careful with foods these days, um, you know, as I'm going through the aging continuum. So yes, look at your daily nutrition. Remember that you just, cause you did it five, 10 years ago, maybe even last year, it might not be the same now because biological processes. The other thing I want to mention is there are so many, so many GI disorders, right. And like, you know, reflex is one of them in there, but there's like a whole list of them. And the way I start with athletes is asking like where, what's happening here, like what's going on. And obviously Melissa's identifying reflex. So I usually like to separate it into upper quadrant, lower quadrant in terms of the digestive system, or I just use the belly button because it's easy, mm -hmm. right? Is it above the belly button or below the belly button? So this is above the belly button reflex. So, which is, which is, I don't know if it's good, but, you know, having had all sorts of GI distress myself, I personally would rather have a little bit of the upper GI versus the lower GI because mm -hmm. those, those stops in the woods or porta potties when it's the lower, that's, that's horrible too. Right. Definitely. So that said, obviously we're talking about some upper GI things with reflex, like you're saying, D, like there are certain, you know, going back to daily nutrition, sometimes they're trigger foods that do this, right? So maybe it's not a sport drink, but maybe there are foods within your nutrition plan. So, you know, I know a lot of us are very sensitive to uh, sugar alcohols, which sometimes we don't look at in ingredients. And then as we age, you know, we become actually a little bit less efficient in processing lactose and even fructose. There's some fructose intolerances. So I think we just kind of have to look at those a little bit more. I, I don't, you know, unless it's a corn allergy, I don't think it's the UCAN, honestly. Um, but it could be an ingredient, right? So I think we need to kind of keep that in mind for sure. You know, and there, there are so many ways to unpack this because, you know, is it happening every time? Is it, you know, let me just read her email real quick. I don't know when she's running. So if it is, if it's in the morning versus afternoon, like what, you know, what's happening with this is she eating too large of meals and the stomach isn't emptying, you know, or if you have, you know, this deal, like if you have yeah. too big of a meal in the morning, and then you go to run like, oh, your stomach just doesn't have the time it needs mm -hmm. to start processing, right? And, and you know, kind of pushing that those nutrients into the small intestine. So, you know, what can we do for treatments? <clears throat> I think we kind of talked about maybe what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, even the coffee, let me hit on coffee because, you know, you asked about this earlier because coffee is kind of acidic, which can kind of disrupt the gut. I always tell athletes who have this kind of issue, like Melissa, if you drink coffee, add some like almond milk or something just to kind of, kind of ease the acidity a little bit. Um, that will help a little bit if it is coffee driven, but you know, to that point, what I would do first, and, and this is, this is like jumping right to the, during a run nutrition, which I usually don't do. I look at daily nutrition first, but I would actually try a shorter run on nothing except water and just see what happens. Right. Because if, again, if reflex is presenting, then 
something is going on in daily nutrition, or as we know, stress also triggers reflux and GERD specifically. So maybe looking at these different things too, but I would always kind of, you know, we, we talk about elimination. I'm going to use this word D I I apologize, but elimination diets um, Mm -hmm. for GI distress. And we have to, we have to go through that, but it's kind of like what I'm saying is let's eliminate everything but water during a run and see what happens. If it still triggers, let's work backwards and seeing, seeing what's happening prior to that. But big golden nugget here. Remember you have to usually look at one to six meals beforehand, right? Because it takes a couple of days for stuff to go through our entire digestive system. So like if I wake up at six o'clock this morning and have something, maybe have some coffee or whatever, and go for a run at seven and GI distress is triggered. It's not about what I just did. Like that coffee could definitely trigger something, but it's probably what I ate the previous day or two because it's still working its way through the digestive system. And I think that's yeah. what a lot of athletes don't understand is you, you don't you don't just eat something and poop it out, right? It it takes quite a while to go through the system. Definitely. It's funny, Bob, when I reread her message, I actually just assumed her runs are in the morning, but she doesn't even express that. So to right. your point looking at time of day for the run and what's going on, not just in that hour or two before, but the several hours, 24, 36 hours prior, because it definitely could be something like that. And yeah, the idea to do a shorter exercise bout with just some water or nothing just to test it out and see what's going on um, is gold as well. So I think I think I would start there, Melissa, for sure. Um, definitely keep us posted on what you're learning and how things go. I might just add, Bob, a lot of people want to Band-Aid, you know, meaning- Oh, like, I was oh, just going to touch on that. I'll yeah. just take my Tums every yes, time I go yes. out and eat them like candy. Yeah. And that can be very harmful, especially long-term. And ultimately, we want to get to the root cause, not just Band-Aid. Definitely. That's you, you read my mind because I was going to bring that up because a lot of people, it's kind of like NSAIDs, right? And a lot Mm. of people are like, Oh no, I'll just pop them like candy. Really? Yeah. Um, And and that's, you know, there's, there's a root cause, right? We have to kind of address the symptoms for sure. But yeah, Melissa, hopefully this is helpful. I know it doesn't give you exact answers and, and there really isn't an exact answer. I mean, it usually takes, it takes a while. Like when I work with a GI distress athlete, you know, it usually takes a couple months to start to figure out this process. I think luckily, again, I don't know why I'm using luckily with GI distress, but luckily it's only reflex and it hasn't moved its way down into the lower quadrant where a lot of different, you know, uh, additional, very, very bad things could be going on. Definitely. I know we never want to just say, oh, good. You don't have it that bad, but yet- yeah. Yeah. It's still bad. It's still painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We know. We know. Awesome. Well, listeners, we will leave it here for now. Thank you again for all the questions. And Bob, anything else to add before we close this one down? I would just remind everyone, we love answering questions. So please email email us. Hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. We absolutely love this. Like this is one of the highlights of why we do this podcast is to be able to answer your questions and to actually, you know, put them on a completely, uh, you know, different episode to highlight them. So please keep them coming. And we just so appreciate you listening. All right. We will close it out. We will catch y'all on the next episode. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 99 where Dina and I sat down and chatted about 
sugar, one of our favorite topics, and reflux. Stay tuned for next week's episode, our 100th episode. And it's a pretty special one because it's kind of what I call the 100 100, right? And what we are doing next week for our 100th episode is Dina and I are actually chatting a little bit about her 100-mile run that she did. And we're going to break that down a little bit. And you're going to love listening to this one because there are some golden nuggets in terms of nutrition in that episode. So definitely don't miss that. And hey, if you do have a sport nutrition question that you want us to answer, we would absolutely love to turn that into an episode just like we do normally with our Ask Us Anything. So just head on over to our website, insidesportsnutrition.com. You can find out our contact information. You can actually search for all of our show notes, look at our sponsors, our deals that we have with some of our sponsors. That's just a great resource. You can also email us, hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And speaking of which, we would absolutely love it if you could help us promote our podcast just by telling your friends and your family and your training partners. And hey, head on over to your podcast platform of choice and give us a review, give us a five-star rating. We absolutely would adore you for doing that. Now, if you would like some more information about what Dina and I do at our individual businesses with nutrition coaching, physiological testing, biomarker testing, endurance coaching, head on over to energyperformance.com. That's E-N-R-G performance.com for all things Bob related and head on over to nutritionmechanic.com for all things Dina related. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and the guest involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.